Good morning to all of you present over here, those of you watching online. It's good to be together again around the Word of God, around fellowship, around worship. And folks, in the days we're living in, we definitely need to praise the Lord and to stick together and to receive from Him the courage, the guidance, the direction that we need. As we've already heard here this morning, um, we are living in confusing days, in, in days that are uncertain. And so we need the certainty of the Word of God in our lives. Amen? Praise God. Today is part two of our message, Engage. We started this message last Sunday. It is a message with six points. And today is part two of this message, Engage. Six practices of the believer. We are talking about practices which should be normal and regular in believers' lives. And last week, I told you that uh, nothing in this message is new. If you've been, you know, hanging around church for a while, you probably have heard these six points mentioned in one way or the other. But I also showed you from Scripture that both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter made it very clear that they did not mind repeating themselves, repeating things over and over again. Both in preaching and in writing, they would often say the same things over and over. And they said it was necessary. It is necessary because we tend to forget, don't we? We tend to forget. We hear the message go, yes, amen, hallelujah. Huh? And about a month later, We've forgotten about it. Life happens, the pressures of this world happens, and we kind of tend to forget and not do certain things that we should do. And so the apostles said it is necessary to repeat. And they also said that it is for our good and for the protection of believers. And so hearing the word of God over and over again, being reminded of certain things, is important for us. It is good for us. It is necessary. And it is for our protection. We also heard last Sunday that we are living in the last days. I showed you from scripture a number of characteristics of the last days. And folks, there is no doubt that we are living in the last days. And I pray and I ask you to continue praying. Praying for world peace. Not just peace in the Ukraine. We need that war to come to an end. Peace in Russia. Don't think that just because Russia is the attacking party, things are well there. Many of our brothers and sisters are suffering in Russia because of what is going on in Russia as well. So our brothers and sisters in both sides and all over the world need prayer. Let's pray for peace. Now, we know that prophecies will come to pass. Man's Fallenness, man's sin, is going to make this planet worse and worse as we go on. But what is significant about what's happening right now is that it is the convergence of many, many prophecies. Yes, we've had wars since the beginning of time. You go to the Old Testament, the guys are fighting with each other, nation fighting against nation over there. We have always had you know, earthquakes and, and famines and, and things like that throughout history, it's peppered with these things. But what is unique about what you're going through right now is that it is a convergence of many streams of biblical prophecy. 
It is what's happening in the world. It is the wars and conflict. It is the natural disasters going on. It is the political disasters, the economic disasters, and the fact that the nation of Israel is present as well. During the First and Second World Wars, Israel was not there, didn't exist. But right now, the prophecies concerning Israel are being fulfilled as well. And so we have this set of different streams of prophecy happening simultaneously, which leads us to believe that we are in the last days, in the beginning of pains, like Jesus said. And so in this time, it is time to get closer to God. The Apostle Paul makes it clear that in times where morality and integrity collapse, a man and a woman of God, a believer, must turn to the Word of God, the Bible. We heard that the Bible, the Word of God, is useful to teach what is true. We live in a world where there is no more moral compass. They say, man, truth is relative. You have your truth, I have my truth. Thank you very much. But folks, truth is truth. And the Bible shows us the truth. The Bible is there to correct our mistakes. We all make mistakes. But if we come to the Word of God, if we keep on hearing the Word of God repeatedly, we can correct. The Word of God can help us to correct our mistakes. The Word of God makes our lives whole again. We may come from backgrounds, we may have made bad decisions which have hurt us, but the Word of God can make us whole again. And the Word of God can train us to do what is right. So in this message, we are talking about six practices of believers. Now these things are things that every believer should do. However, it has become normal for some believers not to do some of these things. What was once part of the normal Christian life has now become part of the optional Christian life. And so the Word of God needs to come here and correct some things. Last week, we looked at two practices. Honorable conduct was number one. And we saw that we are called to live out what we believe and not to be shaped by the ways, the language, the values, and the trends of the world. Love for God and for others should be evident in our lives. None of us are perfect, I know. But that should not be an excuse to live careless lives. Amen? The second practice we looked at was disciple makers. We also saw that we are all called to be disciple makers. We are disciples who make disciples. We need to be aware of the fact that there is an eternity. And not everybody around us is ready for eternity. In response to the commission that Jesus gave us, we should therefore do what we can to remove obstacles and to help people get closer to Jesus. Today, as we continue, we will look at four more practices. And let's go to practice number three. Connected. Be connected. And here I mean be connected to a local church. Be a committed part of a faith community. Big church or small church, doesn't matter. It, the important thing is that you belong somewhere. There are many people today that attend a church but never join as members, never become a member. It is another one of those practices which seems to have become optional when it should be what? Normal. 
Some people regularly visit one or more churches frequently. They enjoy the worship, the services, the fellowship. They may even make some friends, but they never join in membership. They never become an active member, an active part of the household of faith. Now, nowhere in the New Testament does it say, thou shalt be a member of a local church. You don't find that anywhere in the New Testament. But it is implied throughout the New Testament. Here are a few examples. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, says the following. Not giving up, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. So you see, it's nothing new, eh? I told you to keep on hearing the word. 2,000 years ago, there were some Christians which were not meeting with other believers as they should. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So he says, you must gather together with other believers, especially when you see the day of the return of Jesus approaching. In other words, more or less now, the times like now. Now, who are we supposed to meet with then? The local church, your home church. He's talking about corporate worship. Now, some may say that this verse just says you must meet with other believers. It doesn't matter where you meet them. Every Sunday, you can go to a different church. No, <laughs> because Hebrews chapter 13, 17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Hmm. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. <laughs> so, he's talking about your leaders. So who are your leaders? Well, those are the leaders of the church where you belong. That place where you attend regularly. That place where you are connected to. Leaders can't give an account of someone they don't know. They can only give an account of who they are responsible for. When, when Paul was speaking to the elders of the church, the church leaders in Ephesus, this is what he said in the book of Acts, chapter 20 and verse 28. Paul said, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made, has made you overseers. The flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Every shepherd has a flock, a specific flock. In, in the natural, when shepherds have sheep, the sheep don't go to a different shepherd every day or every week. They stay together in a particular flock. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought by his own blood. So, he says the shepherds of the church of God. How can he do that? By looking after the flock that they oversee. The church in Ephesus was made up of different small groups meeting in different places. Each one was a local church and they had a shepherd. And the shepherd was responsible for, for looking after those people. Each shepherd was committed to that group. No shepherd can be committed for to everybody and for everybody. Amen? Here's another reason why it's important to be part of a local church. James 5.14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, who do they call the elders of their church? Amen? The congregation they belong to. So you see, it's a biblical principle to belong to a particular church. Have your home church. Now, everybody 
needs to have a local church, to have a church that they call home. It is their spiritual residence. We all need a spiritual residence. Have you noticed that these days it is very difficult to do a, a business deal or sign a contract or obtain documents if you cannot supply proof of residence? <laughs> they require that before you do anything significant. People want to know that you have a residence, an address, before they can trust you. Well, spiritually, you also need an address too. You cannot go around trying to, to teach people or to give prophecies and, and, and tell people what to do if you don't have an address. <laughs> and don't trust the ministry of a believer who does not have an address. That is an independent spirit. He or she does not belong anywhere, is not under authority, and therefore they don't have authority. Remember that centurion and Jesus, what the centurion told to Jesus when Jesus wanted to go and heal his daughter in his home? He said, Lord, just, just, just speak your word, because I am also a man under authority, and I have authority. And I tell this one, go, and he goes, that one, come, and he comes. He understood that Jesus was under the authority of the Father. And therefore, he had authority. And when Jesus heard that, he says, man, I haven't seen faith like this in Israel. Amen? There is security and authority in being part of and submitted to uh, the church of Jesus Christ by being part of a local church. It is good to be part of a group of people who know you and who are known by you. It is good to have an address to go home to to worship with other believers, and to receive support and assistance in times of spiritual need. Folks, it is so painful to see people needing pastoral assistance and not having a pastor they can call because they do not belong to a local church. When there is a death or there is a wedding or a baby is born and they need a minister, the natural thing to do would be to call the minister of their church. But because so many people these days, they neglect church membership. They find themselves running around looking for someone to help them. And that often results in getting a pastor that they have no relationship with. Please understand that you cannot say that a pastor is your pastor simply because you watch him online or because you casually attend the church where he preaches. There must be some form of relationship, commitment to that pastor. A pastor is your pastor when that pastor is the pastor of the church in which you are a member. At some point in your faith journey, you must make a decision and sign up for membership in a church which you choose to call your spiritual home. And that is where you submit to the leaders who teach you, encourage you, pray for you, correct you, and support you. The word submission, I know, is not a popular word these days, but it is a biblical word, amen? And we, are, and we are to submit to a local church and be part of it. So, let me ask you this. Who is your pastor? Where do you contribute? You know, where do you give financially? Where do you serve with your gifts and talents for the kingdom of God? Now, for many of you, it was an easy answer to those questions. But perhaps some of you are still thinking about the answer. Now, I understand there are some today who say they will not belong to a church because they have been disappointed or hurt by a church in the past. 
And I did address this matter last week, and I need to say it again. There is no perfect church. But there are many good churches. Good, ch good churches, not perfect churches, amen? <laughs> and so we cannot allow a bad experience to hinder us from experiencing the love, the encouragement, and belonging that comes from being part of a local church. To add to the problem, there is a consumer culture in society today that somehow has crept into the church life too. Consumer culture means that we want things to suit us. Amen? We, we go to shops that have what we like, the way we like it, and in the quantities that we like. And if they don't, what do we do? We, look, we go to another branch or another brand. There was a time when we went to church to be shaped by what happened in the church, by the word, the fellowship, the input, the worship. We were shaped by the church. But today... In today's culture, people want to shape the church according to them. Church, we need to guard our hearts in this matter. Amen? Jesus remains the head of the church, including the local church. Those who say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. <laughs> Those people have a problem because Jesus died for the church with all its imperfections. Hmm? Let me tell you what local churches are. Local churches are made up of imperfect people, led by imperfect leaders, but who follow a perfect God who has a perfect plan to perfect our lives so that we reflect the love and glory of Jesus to the world. Amen? I need to say it again. Local churches are made up of imperfect people. Example, led by imperfect leaders. Example, <laughs> all right, but who follow a perfect God, amen? And our perfect God has a perfect plan to perfect us, to change us more and more like Jesus. Hallelujah. And, and as he changes us, our lives begin to reflect the love of God to those around us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So nobody's perfect a, a, a year at Awakened Life. But we serve a perfect God. And if we stick together and follow his plan for us, and what is his plan? His word. If we learn his word and do his word, if we follow his plan for us, then we will, in some small way, reflect the love and the glory of God to those around us. Every local church community is a household of faith. To those of you from Awaken Life Church, this is your household. This is your home. This is our home, our family. And this is where you learn and where you grow. What you learn here, you apply in your home, at school, at work, wherever you go. And to those of you who are new here and have been attending our church for some time, in person or online, I want to extend an invitation to become members of this church. If you feel that this is your spiritual home and you want to join as a member, let us know. You can go to our website and give us your contact details and we will get in touch with you. Or you can give your contact details to any of the ushers. We've got little connect forms at the back of it there. Fill it in, give it to them. And we'll be in touch with you and give you all the information that you need. 
Amen? Well, a lot has been said about the practice of being connected. And there is more that I could say about it, but I think enough has been said for today. Amen? Let's go to practice number four. Generous. Generous. Be generous. Listen, believers, they tend to be generous. Our God is a giver. So believers tend to be givers like our God. And therefore, generosity is a practice of believers. It should be a characteristic of all believers. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You see? Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Don't give because you have to. Because the pastor says you must give. Or because people say, no, give it willingly. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? Cheerful, happy, smiling. God likes a smiling giver, not a crying giver. Amen? And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, not all that you want, but all that you need, amen, <laughs> you will abound in every good work. Throughout the centuries, believers have willingly and generously given of their time, their talents, their skills, and their money and material goods to the church of Jesus. This church, Awaken Life, exists because for over 34 years, believers have consistently been giving to this work. You have been giving to this work. People have been blessed, saved, healed, restored, and mobilized because believers have given towards this work. Other churches and ministries have been assisted over the years because of the faithful giving of believers in this church. And today, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to everyone who has been giving to us and is presently giving to this church, bringing your tithes and your offerings to this work. I want to thank everyone who specifically gave and is giving towards food parcels. Your giving enabled us to feed families which lost their income during the thick of the pandemic. Most are back on their feet, but we are still helping some families. And so if anyone wants to contribute towards food parcel, you can just use food parcel in your reference when you give. You see, believers, Christians, they know that when they give, they are not giving our, your money. We don't give our money to a church. Although we give here, we are not giving to the church. We are giving to the Lord through the work of the church. Amen. So thank you again to every giver in this church. Generosity has mainly to do with financial giving. Other kinds of giving will be dealt with in the other points. Giving financially should never be an afterthought. It should be part of our budgeting. It should be at the forefront of our thinking. However, as you heard in our scripture, we must not give out of a sense of obligation, but rather with joy. When it says there that God loves a cheerful giver, the, the Greek word there is hilaros where our word hilarious comes from. So God loves a hilarious giver. 
someone who gives us great passion and great joy. Amen? Now, we live in a world in which giving is not a joyful action. Huh? We like getting. We all have the gift of receiving. Amen? <laughs> My name is Jimmy. Give me, give me, give me. Anyway, uh, we all have that gift of receiving, but the Lord says you must give spontaneously, hilariously, as we have purposed in our hearts. And, and that is important. The Lord looks at your heart when you give. If you give, if you bring 500 rand, but in your heart you only want to give 50 bucks, guess what God's going to bless you on? <laughs> we give, we must give with joy. And we give with joy because we get to partake in what God is doing in people's lives through the work of our local church. We give with joy because we realize that God is the source of our income. He's the one who gives us the ability, the life, and the strength to earn that money. We give with joy because we realize that all we are and all we have is what? His anyway. <laughs> and our giving is a way of recognizing and celebrating that. We give with joy because if all we have and all we are is His anyway, then we are just stewards of what is His. Our giving is both a sign of obedience to His instruction to give, and it is a sign of our trust in Him trusting that he will supply all our needs. Amen? So how much should we give? In the Old Testament, God's people, the Jews, were instructed to give 10%, what is called the tithe, the tenth part of our income. Now, when we look at the different tithes that the Hebrews brought to the temple, we find that they actually gave over 30% of their increase. However, we need to remember that the Old Testament Israel, they lived under a theocracy. God was the leader of the nation. They listened to God. And the tithes were like their taxes, which paid for many things. The work in the temple, benevolence, a whole bunch of things were covered by the tithes. Plus, they had the added value of God's direct interventions in matters of the kingdom, of the Jewish kingdom. When they were obedient to God, and you go and read the Ultimates, it's fascinating. When they were obedient to God, everything they planted grew and produced. That fantastic agriculture prospered. When nations came against them, God dealt with them. <laughs> All right? As long as they were obedient. And you'd think, sure, those guys must have been obedient all the time. No, they were not. They still often turned their backs to God. And then they would get hammered because then there was no protection. You see? The tithe was part and parcel of the law of Moses, which the Jewish nation, they had to comply with. It was law. They had to do it. And if they did not obey the law and tithe, a curse would come upon them. That's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we do not live under the law. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen? Now, does this mean we don't need to tithe? No. It means you don't have to tithe as a law. But you do need to give. You do need to give your regular monthly giving to the Lord. Tithes or 10% should be a guide. There are believers who, due to circumstances, cannot give 10%. And so they give regularly whatever they can give, and they give it with joy. But there are many believers who give more than 
They can do it. They are blessed. And you, they give it with joy. Amen. The point here is to have a mindset of giving and aim for 10% as a normal regular monthly giving. And when you get there, trust God to enable you to give more. Do it to honor God as an act of worship, never as a formula to get something from God. You see, God, I gave my tithe. Now you owe me. God owes you nothing. Amen. Do it to please him. Do it with joy. Do it with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Do it for the work of the kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. If you've been around here for a while, you'll notice that you often say that giving is an act of worship. Your tithes and offerings are an act of worship. And where should we give? Our tithes and offerings should be given to your church. You don't eat at McDonald's and go and pay at KFC, huh? You take your money to the place where you eat, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so our tithe goes to the place that we belong, the place that is consistently feeding us, where we get the, the help and the support and so forth. It's the local church. Offering is what you give over and above your tithe. And so every believer should practice consistent monthly giving, be disciplined in your giving, use a stop order, amen, or, or set a recurring payment in your bank app. Then you won't forget, and it gets done, all right? Number five, practice number five is serving, serving. Serving. Now, I'm going to read you a very inconvenient scripture. Mark 10, verses 43 and to, to 45. And this is Jesus speaking, and he says, But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Oh. <laughs> Watch this. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Hmm. <clears throat> For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life ransom for many. The world says that if you want to be at the top, you must get others to serve you. The person at the top gets served. They serve nobody. Yet Jesus came to serve. So our basic attitude should be to serve. There's nothing shameful in serving, helping. Being there for others. Amen? If we are trusted with leadership positions, our attitude should be what? Servant leaders. You're not there to lord at other people. You're there to serve them with your leadership. During his earthly ministry, Jesus was a leader, but he led through serving. Today, he is in heaven. He is our Lord, and he is our Savior. But guess what? He's still serving us. Amen? He's still there interceding for us, being our advocate before the Father. Wow. The Bible has so much to say about serving. In every sphere of our lives, in all the roles that we have in this life, let us have a serving attitude. This is the normal posture of a disciple. No pride, no entitlement, no competing in the kingdom. Only commitment, gratitude, humility, and serving. And then number six, our final point, Volunteer. Volunteer. Number six. Uh, Psalm 110 verse 3 says the following. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Some translations say uh, your people shall be willing. Uh, in the, they say will be willing instead of the word volunteers. The Hebrew word means to spontaneously and willingly come forward. 
Amen? In other words, to volunteer. The phrase, in the day of your power, refers to the power which would be given to the Messiah to accomplish his mission to convert people and to save the world. So it is looking towards Messiah. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, you are familiar with that verse. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power, all authority has been given to Jesus. So we are living now in the day of his power. Throughout the last 2,000 years, incredible work has been done all over the world because people have volunteered. Churches have been built. Schools have been built. Hospitals have been built. People have offered their services and skills freely or for next to nothing to proclaim the gospel, to help in times of crisis, to assist with community development, to help in the medical field, educational field, and in so many other ways. The church has made such a huge positive difference in so many people's lives in the world because believers are willing to volunteer. I want you to notice that the three lost practices of generosity, being uh, willing to serve others, and to be ready to volunteer, they overlap one another. They are all forms of giving, forms of serving, and forms of volunteering. The Lord does not require us that we work for our salvation. No. The work is done. Jesus did it. But it pleases the Lord when we love him back through our giving, through our serving, through our volunteering. A good place to volunteer is at your church. Volunteer on a mid to long term commitment to lead or serve in a church department. Take up some needed responsibility in your faith community. It could also be in your local community or other sphere in your life. If you volunteer outside your church, carry the vision and the values of your church. By doing this, you work on behalf of the kingdom of God based on biblical values. Amen. We have many volunteers serving in our church, but there is always room for more. All right. Some of those who serve and who volunteer at our church, they work in more than one department. If we had more volunteers, we could spread the load and make it easier for everyone. Areas you could volunteer depend on your interest, on your skills, and on your talent. It comes naturally to you. Some areas where you could volunteer and help here at Awaken Life are ushering, kids' church, youth meetings, assist with phone calls to and follow up, which you can do from your home. You could make yourself available to help when needed in setting up or in maintenance work or help preparing meals when we have church lunches. And yes, they will return eventually. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. There may be other ways that you can help. You may have talents and skills that you could make available to the church. So come and talk to us and let us know if you feel the pull to get involved in serving and volunteering. Amen. I have already thanked all those who have been consistent and diligent in serving and volunteering. Let me take time now, uh, the consistent in, in the financial giving to our church. Let me take time now to thank all who serve this church and volunteer here, particularly during the time of this pandemic, 
with the lockdowns and the uncertainties, I want to thank every one of you. In all the teams, we have kept this church alive and have kept our services going. Thank you to the tech team who have put us online and helped us to stay connected with our members and have connected us with people beyond Pretoria. Thank you to the worship team who have kept us connecting with the Lord in praise and worship. Even in times of strict lockdown, with the help of tech, you managed to connect and bring us great times of worship. Thank you to the Kids Church team members who helped to select the online kids program. Thank you to the team members who will be restarting in April when we open up Kids Church live again. And, and please note that there won't be online kids programs when we open Kids Church. Thank you to our committee who kept admin, financial, and management matters running smoothly in a very uncertain time. Thanks to social assistants who helped many families and individuals during one of the most trying times when jobs were lost and food was needed. Thank you to the ushers who had to learn and adapt new methods as they continued to welcome everyone as they arrived. Under COVID protocols, they had to sometimes endure some resistance, but they continued and continue to serve relentlessly with love and friendliness. Thank you to all our volunteers. Come on, let's give them a clap offering in recognition of all of them. Thank you, guys. Bless you. Those present, those watching online, thank you so much. In conclusion, hallelujah, in conclusion. <laughs> the six practices of believers, honorable conduct, making disciples, being connected to our local church, generous in financial giving, serving as Jesus served wherever and whenever you can, volunteering to use your time, gifts, and talents for the kingdom. These are key practices of believers. Yes, it takes time, effort, and discipline to engage in these practices, but what a joy to know that as you engage in things that are in the will of God, building the kingdom, you will be changing people's lives and destinies forever, for eternity. I pray that we at Awaken Life Church would never lose sight of the importance of engaging in these practices. If you are lacking in any one of them, go now before the Lord and pray about how you may correct this and then engage in the practices you are lacking at or you are weak at. All of them are important. I did not give them in order of priority. They are all important. All of them should be practiced. Remember why we preach something that you may already know? It is necessary because we tend to forget the need and importance of these practices. It is good for our protection. And it is good for the growth of the kingdom of God. Amen? Praise God. Let's stand up. Let's close in prayer. And as we pray, I ask you to consider what you've heard in this message, in this two-part message. And whatever it may be the reason, if you are lacking in any one of them, 
Whatever the reason is, go before the Lord in prayer and allow the Lord to guide you to correct this, to make amends, to bring your life in line with the practices of believers. I know sometimes our culture speaks otherwise. World trends sometimes speak otherwise. But you're not going to give an account to the world. We're not going to give an account of our lives to our cultures, to our friends, to our families. We're going to give an account of our lives to the Lord. And may we be able to stand before Him with a clear conscience because we've allowed the Word of God to shape us. Amen. Father, I thank you for everyone hearing, listening, watching this message. I thank you for your word, my God, which, which has the power to teach us, to reveal us the truth, to correct us, to make us whole again, to give us direction and guidance. I pray for everyone who has heard this two-part message, Lord God. Help us to be even more faithful in these six practices, Lord. Help us really to live our lives in such a way that it brings glory and joy to you, Lord God. Help us to live our lives in such a way that it does not bring shame to your church and does not turn people away from following you, my God. And so we thank you for shaping us, Lord. And those need to make decisions concerning church membership or concerning serving or volunteering or being more generous in their giving. Lord, you know each one's life, each one's hearts. Help everyone by the conviction of your Holy Spirit, Lord, because we want to do only by the conviction of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Because you loved us, because we love you, we want to do these things, Father. And so I thank you for shaping us, Lord, we don't want to come here and shape the church according to our desires and our weaknesses, Lord God. But we want to come before you and be shaped by your word, by your love, by your will. Let it be, my God, in Jesus' name. And so, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit continue to be upon us, enabling us to do the practices that we should do for His glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday, a blessed week, and see you next Sunday again. God bless you. Amen.